Welcome to Worship with Bethel Maidstone United Church. My name is Catherine Elsden, and this is an outreach ministry of our congregation, a way for you to connect with the worship life at Bethel Maidstone United Church. This episode continues in our series entitled No Fair, as we explore through the stories in the Gospel of Matthew, the unfairness of God's grace. Today, specifically, we consider the theme of forgiveness. Our gospel reading is from Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 to 35. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, not seven times, but I tell you, 77 times. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owned him 10,000 talents was brought to him. And as he could not pay, his Lord ordered him to be sold, together with his wife and children and all his possessions, and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the Lord of the slave released him and forgave him the debt. But that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves, who owned him, owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him by the throat, he said, pay what you owe. Then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. But he refused. Then he went and threw him into prison until he would pay the debt. When this fellow slave saw what had happened, I'm sorry, when his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their Lord all that had taken place. Then his Lord summoned him and said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. So my heavenly Father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. I'm usually the one that clears my throat before a sermon. <clears throat> Peter, a fisherman and follower of Jesus, asked him, Lord, if a member of the church sins against me, how many times should I forgive? Peter kind of anticipates that Jesus is going to say a high number, so he doesn't say two or three times. He says as many as seven times. The number seven is symbolic in scripture. It represents completion. So this seems like a good guess on the part of Peter. But Jesus shatters Peter's math. He responds, not seven times, but I tell you, 77 times. Peter is asking, after how many times can I stop forgiving? 
And since the early church, Christians have interpreted Jesus' answer of 77 to mean never. Forgiveness should be unlimited. How did Peter respond to that, I wonder? He thought seven was a big number. How did he take 77? Hard to imagine he responded with a lot of enthusiasm. 77? Awesome! I'm going to get right on that endless task, Jesus. I don't know how Peter responded, but I know how I kind of respond. And when I hear that teaching again from Jesus, there's something in me that just rebels, recoils a little bit. It sounds like really hard work, maybe impossible. It sounds unfair. Sounds like a recipe for abuses of power and imbalances in relationships. Does Jesus really want his followers to become doormats? To be hurt again and again, forgiving again and again? It sounds unfair. A rabbi was giving his Yom Kippur sermon about forgiveness. And during his speech, he asked his congregation, how many of you have forgiven your enemies? And about half held up their hands. And then he asked, how many of you want to forgive your enemies? And almost everyone held up their hand, except for one member, a slight little elderly lady. Madam, inquired inquired the rabbi, are you not willing to forgive your enemies, especially on this day of atonement when God forgives us? I don't have any enemies, she replied, smiling sweetly. Well, that is impressive. How old are you? 98, she replied. What a blessing and a lesson to all of us. Would you mind standing up and tell us how, living such a long life, you do not have any enemies? The ladies got up slowly, smiled, and faced the congregation and said, I've outlived every last one. Now, that actually is one way to bypass forgiveness. To outlive or outlast the hurt. It's true that often time heals our wounds, right? And an offense and the hurt of it can be dulled over time. But I don't quite think that forgetting is the same as forgiving. We have that expression, right? Forgive and forget. But we all know that there are some things we will never forget, some hurts that are too deep. We're not going to forget the infidelity of a spouse. We're not going to forget an absent parent or a terrible car accident. I don't think forgiveness is about pretending something didn't happen or glossing over the pain that it's caused us. Though forgiveness may lead people to be reconciled to each other, and to repair relationships, that's not always possible. So I don't think forgiveness means repeatedly exposing yourself to someone who hurts you. I don't think it means that you absolve someone of accountability either. So what does it mean to forgive again and again, as Jesus suggests? I think the context of Jesus' teaching here about 77 can give us a clue to what he means. Because this teaching about 77 follows immediately from our lesson last week. 
Last week, Jesus talked about conflict resolution in the church. And he said, when someone sins against you in the church, go through a few steps. One, talk to the person directly, one-on-one, alone. If that doesn't resolve the situation, bring in two or three other people to be witnesses and to provide perspective. If that doesn't solve the situation, bring the person before the church. And if still they will not lessen, then treat that person as an outsider. So this is a fairly comprehensive step-by-step process to hold someone accountable in the church that ultimately leads to serious consequence. So I don't think Jesus is saying that forgiveness means forgetting or absolving someone and not holding them accountable for bad behavior. In Jesus's understanding of forgiveness, there is a limit to bad behavior, but there is no limit to forgiveness. There can be accountability and forgiveness. Forgiveness, then, is not about forgetting. It's not about condoning hurtful behavior. Forgiveness is a conscious, deliberate decision to release feelings of vengeance or resentment to a person or a group that has caused you harm, regardless of whether they deserve to be forgiven. Essentially, it's the opposite of eye for an eye. It is letting go of feelings of resentment and vengeance, regardless of whether that person has earned your forgiveness. And it is a conscious choice. It is a deliberate decision. Forgiveness is a choice made in faith. And we kind of need to hear that a lot because many of us believe that being able to forgive is a matter of feeling like it. We'll know that it's the right time to forgive because we'll want to forgive. But if we're going to extend the kind of generous forgiveness that Jesus talks about, we can't wait until we feel like it. It's not a matter of doing it when we feel like it. Rather, forgiveness is a choice that we make again and again in faith. That's why the math of forgiveness doesn't really add up. Forgiveness isn't something that we're meant to keep track of, right? We're not meant to tally and parse it out and count. That's a means of staying in unforgiveness, right? You haven't let go of resentment if you're keeping track, if you're keeping score. Instead of the math of forgiveness, I think we need to think of a spirit of forgiveness, inhabiting a spirit of forgiveness. Because as Jesus makes clear, forgiveness is not a one-time thing. Forgiveness is not a one-time thing. When you think about that, we know that intuitively, right? Any kind of long-term relationship that you've been in, whether it's with a family member or a spouse or a friend, requires a spirit of forgiveness. Right now, my husband is working from home. My two kids are at home, no daycare or school. We're in the midst of a pandemic. And I may not be keeping count, but I would venture to say I'm averaging about 77 a day. You know what I'm talking about. When we are in long-term relationships, even if they are healthy, loving relationships, they require a spirit of forgiveness because we are imperfect. We hurt each other. 
We lose our temper, we say hurtful things, we don't show up, we disappoint. And so we are called to forgive and forgive again and again. Now those are, could be some small things, but I would venture to say that even in the big things, forgiveness is not a one-time deal. Even those biggest hurts in our lives, we may move on from, we may achieve forgiveness, but something comes up to reopen an old wound. Christmas time, an anniversary, whatever it might be, we'll be confronting that hurt again and we're gonna again have to choose to forgive, to make the decision to choose forgiveness over resentment and vengeance. That's a lesson learned the hard way in the parable that Jesus tells about the kingdom of heaven and the unforgiving servant. A king wishes to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one man owned, one man owed him 10,000 talents and was brought before him. Now, to give you an idea, 10,000 talents is a huge amount of money. One talent was worth 15 years' wages for a laborer. So this is an astronomical amount of money. It is inconceivable that a slave would be lent this amount, that, could, that he could get into this kind of debt, or that he could ever imagine to repay it. That gives us a clue, okay? This is a parable of hyperbole, exaggerated elements to demonstrate a really critical point. Given that the slave could never repay this amount, the king orders the slave to be sold along with his possessions and his family to try to recoup some of the costs. But the slave gets down on his knees and pleads. He says, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. Which again is hyperbole because we know he couldn't possibly pay back this debt in his lifetime. But the king still has compassion. He sees the intention of this slave's heart and has pity, it says. The king is moved by pity. He releases him and forgives his debt. It's an equally extravagant response to that pleading for forgiveness. Imagine the emotions of that slave feeling unburdened, so relieved. He leaves the court and not a moment goes by before he encounters someone that owes him money, a fellow slave owing him a hundred denarii, which is a very small amount in comparison. What does he do? He grabs the debtor by the throat and orders him to pay immediately. And this fellow slave, he echoes the exact same words. He says, have patience with me and I will pay you. He does not have patience. He refuses and he has the debtor thrown into prison. What happens next is kind of interesting. Fellow slaves see this injustice and they refuse to stand by. They want to hold that first slave accountable. They go and report it to the king, obviously knowing that the king would wish his slave to show compassion. The king summons the slave and chastises him, saying, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? The king orders the punishment of torture, a worse punishment than was originally assigned for the debt. There are consequences to the unforgiveness of the slave. 
What the slave needed to do was release his fellow slave from debt in the way that he had been released. He needed to show compassion and mercy to his fellow slave, just like the mercy he had received at the hands of his king. So forgiveness in this kingdom of heaven, Jesus is describing, isn't about the size of the debt or the character of the debtor. It is about the king's mercy and willingness to forgive when asked. That's what should inspire and empower the slave to show mercy to others. We forgive not because the person deserves it, not based on the size of the offense. We forgive because we have been forgiven by God. It is the freedom that we experience as people who are forgiven that allows us to forgive and free others. Which makes me kind of think that in order to live in a spirit of forgiveness, we really need to ground ourselves in a sense of God's forgiveness for us. In order to extend forgiveness to others, we have to have this deep sense of our own forgiveness. You know, what usually happens, and tell me if I'm wrong here, but what usually happens when somebody offends you or hurts you is that I rehash the situation over and over in my head, right? Different emotions, different motivations, trying to understand. I talk it over with others again and again. And maybe that's an important part of the process. Anybody else do that? But this passage makes me think that what I should spend my time on, less rehashing and more recentering myself and my own sense of my shortcomings and my own sense of God's grace toward me. Rather than rehashing that hurt, I need to ground myself in scripture because forgiveness is actually less about me and that guy and more about me and my God. I need to think of the mistakes that I've made, the wrongs that I've committed, the hurts that I've committed, my own shortcomings, my pettiness and short-sightedness and stinginess, to meditate on that, confess that, and then embrace the witness of scripture, to hear again Jesus saying, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life for the ransom of many. To hear again the prophet Isaiah writing, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. To hear again the good news that God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world should be saved through him. To rejoice with the psalmist who sings, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as east is from west, so far has he removed us from our transgressions. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on us. 
though we do not deserve it. We are forgiven and freed from sin through Christ. And it is our own sense of forgiveness that frees us to forgive others. And guess what? In the process, we free ourselves from the destructive forces of vengeance, anger, and resentment. Forgiveness is a choice that you have to make 76 times and then once more. So many times that we lose count and we are released from the math of forgiveness in order to abide in a spirit of forgiveness. May it be so. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you appreciate this podcast, I hope you'll subscribe and encourage your friends to listen. Next episode will be the third and final in our series, No Fair, as we explore God's gracious invitation to work in his kingdom. Until then, may God bless you and keep you.